morning. This is Lisa coming to you from the ILD, the Edwin Elder Library, and I'm going to get right on with today's reading out of When God Doesn't Make Sense by Dr. James Dobson. Holding on to your faith even when God doesn't make sense. Page 210, question 4. In trying to comprehend why God does what he does, I've wondered about the spirit world that is referred to in the Bible. Do you believe such an unseen realm really exists? Answer 4. Yes, I do, although I do not profess to understand it. I know only that the scripture speaks about a spiritual warfare that occurs in dimension beyond human perception. It is not given to man to comprehend the struggle entirely at this period in our history. However, its existence and significance are unmistakable in scripture. We get a window into that unseen spirit world from Daniel as he saw it some 500 years before the birth of Christ. This intelligent young man was only 16 when Jerusalem was conquered by the Babylonians, and he was deported to Babylon along with his surviving countrymen. There he was elevated to political prominence and soon became God's prophetic voice to his people. Some years later, Daniel had a terrifying vision in which he was witnessed by a heavenly messenger. Many Bible scholars believe that visitor was Christ himself. Tucked within the first few verses of Daniel's narrative is a fascinating glimpse of the spirit world we cannot see and the conflict between good and evil that occurs there. I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen, with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like crystal light, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like a gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deadly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees and said, Daniel, you are who you who are highly esteemed consider yourself consider carefully the words i am about to speak to you and stand up for i have now been sent to you and when he said this to me i stood up trembling then he continued do not be afraid daniel since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your god your words were heard and i have come in response to them but the prince of the persian kingdom resisted me 21 days Then Michael, one of my chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Daniel 10, 5 and 13. There are several fascinating and tantalizing elements to this account. First, it is surprising that a man of Daniel's stature, being highly esteemed in God's eyes, did not receive an instantaneous answer to his prayer. He had to wait three weeks before the reply from the Lord came back. What is more interesting is the reason for the delay. Although Daniel's prayer was answered immediately, it took 21 days for the messenger to fight his way past the satanic beings who stood in his way. If the visitor was, in fact, Jesus Christ, what does that say about the power temporarily held by the forces of evil? Finally, I wish we understood more about the celestial warfare hinted at by the messenger. Later in the conversation with Daniel, he said, Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia, and when I go, the prince of Greece will come. Verse 20. The implications of this passage are striking. We get the picture of the entire earth being divided into territories and jurisdictions led by powerful beings 
whose mission it is to oppose the will of God. Perhaps a high-ranking demon is assigned to each church and every Christian college, as Frank Peretti suggested in This Present Darkness. If this sounds far-fetched, far-fetched, consider Paul's warning about our enemy. He wrote, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against these spiritual places and these dark, these dark spirits. Spirits, I believe, like depression and spirits of um, worthlessness. Spirits of, um, these spirits that come, these thoughts that come into our mind. You know, everybody gets these thoughts. I really believe everybody gets these thoughts, but what do you do with them? You cannot dwell in dark places. You must press past those places. Read the Bible, pray, study, ask God to help you. And you know, your answer may not come immediately because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know, but God will come through. It's just like with the death of my husband. I remember when he first passed away and I tell people, and I said, God is good. People would tell me, God is good. And that kind of irritated me because, yes, I knew God was good, but I was, I don't know what I wanted from them. <laughs> I don't know. I guess more more sympathy or more, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, because if you lost a loved one, you know that puts you, that plummets you into the depths of despair. You just like, you don't know what to do. Your whole world. Your whole world has changed. You're immediately, you're immediately um, thrust into a role you never was in before. Like, um, I've been a married wife for 38 years. And then all of a sudden, hey, um, I'm single. Uh, I no longer have all the, you know, I got to get his uniform ready. I've got to um, uh, make sure all the bills are paid and, um, you know, all the different things. Um it was different. I mean, yeah, sure, I've got bills to pay and all the uh, different, you know. But the things that, it changed. Some things changed. Some things didn't change. And then this past this past July, I celebrated my 39th anniversary because as long as I'm alive, in my mind, I'm still married to him. I know the laws of the land said, till death do us part. But my husband and I, we used to always say, we had half of each other's heart. And if one of us was to die before the other, the other would keep on going living because <laughs> they keep, their heart keep on beating inside of us. And that's true. I mean, I I just very much my life and my devotions, my podcast, everything it still revolves around my husband because in my thoughts, this morning I woke up at 5 o'clock and I could have got up. Most of the time I do. But today I just laid there and I'm just thinking thinking about different things that um how God's been so good to me through my life the open doors he opened and um my husband was a big part of that and how um my grandson Israel is getting ready to turn 13 so 13 years ago I became a grand grand star became a grandparent and my husband became papa but um Marisa was expecting Israel when our family took a family trip. We went to Ireland and um, spent most of our time in Dublin. But we did go to a little fishy village called Halp. And uh, just just those precious times. So that was 13 years ago we did that. 
and then just just thinking about how we would um, my my daughter and her family lived in Hutchinson, Kansas, and we lived here in Henderson, Tennessee. So we'd meet kind of like halfway. Um, we meet in Springfield, Missouri, at the Bass Pro Shops. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's really it's a really neat place to go. And I remember Israel, he must have been like one or two at one of our visits. He might not. He may not. He may have just been like he was sitting up in the cart. He was sitting in a cart, so he wasn't an infant. But anyway, I remember he squealing. As soon as he saw us, especially his papa, he'd just be squealing, squealing. I was just thinking about that. Just thinking about, you know, we've had we had some really, really, really great times in life. And, um, you know, the, the grief, the sorrow, missing him is going to always be with me. But the good times are, are also. Those memories, they do sustain us. They help us. And you see the hand of God so many times in our life. And I don't know if you have a smartphone or not, but on my smartphone, when you take photos, sometimes it goes into live mode. And I have um, some in my live pictures I have of my husband. I have where he was walking on our our, um, our walkway out front. Well, he was walking to the van, and he was stepping down that step, and how he had to raise up his arms to gain, to get balance, to go down. He was having a hard time with his knees. He was having a difficult time, you know, and a lot of times when I'm missing him and I want him back, I'm like, do you really want him still suffering with all that pain? No, you know, I, I don't like, well, God could have healed him. Well, God did heal him. God gave him the ultimate healing. But um, so many times we are selfish. We want people, we want to keep things for us, for our benefit. But there's the whole picture. God and His sovereignty, He knows. He knows we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. God knows. He sees the whole picture. So today as you go about the day and, and you, you fight your own battles through prayer and through the Bible reading and through trying to we try to figure things out, but we can't. When God doesn't make sense, when life doesn't make sense, all things do work together for good. And just like I said, when people say God is good, here it's almost been a year since my husband passed, and now I know God is good. God is good. He didn't want my husband to suffer anymore. He didn't want my husband to go through those struggles, those uh, challenges that he was having as he was getting older. Yes, some things maybe possibly. I don't. We didn't know how he could go get knee surgery because you have to be off of work for a long time, and it just wasn't. You know, he went to that stage in his life where he could take an extended time off, and just different things. God knows. God knows best, and so we have to just trust God. We just have to trust that God is going to take our messes and make messages. He's going to take our tests and make testimonies, our trials, and they become triumphs. Our um, our very lives are going to be examples, pointing others to the cross, showing, hey, Jesus is all, all we need. He is our provider. He is our God. The Bible says our maker is our husband. And it says, you know, he's our father. He's our everything you know if you start naming off all the things that Jesus is he's everything he is he is our all in all and so today I just wanted to share that with you enjoy this beautiful Friday 
and um, write down, get you a journal if you don't have one and start writing down the things that God has done for you and is doing for you in your life. You know, there's that song, if anyone should ever write my life story, for whatever reason there might be, you would see between each line, arrayed in glory, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. And I write a song every day, and today I wrote a song in Spanish. Jesus Cristo es la mejor, que me apasada a mí. Jesus Cristo es la mejor, que me apasada a mí. Jesus Cristo, Jesus Cristo, Jesus Cristo es la mejor, que me apasada a mí. So yeah, it's just a little chorus, but it says, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. Jesus, 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 Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.